Alma Howard. Mary Blair. Alice Davis. Man, I am so excited. We're finally getting this done. I've, this is something that you and I have been talking about for what feels like months. I feel like it was months ago. You know, we we were talking on the phone and we thought we need to come up with something to where we can really talk about some of the people that have influenced Disney, but a lot of people don't know things about them. So, I mean, I, dude, it's here. Are you excited? You excited to get this going? Justin, not only am I excited, but you have opened up a rabbit hole in my life that I had no idea uh, this Disney rabbit hole and the personal aspect of his life as we as we go through this series uh, today's going to be case in point I didn't have a clue and I'll be honest with you it was uh, it, it's a pretty an emotional uh, feeling to have this connection with the Disney family via somebody that I never met so yes I am super excited about tonight yeah, it's amazing. You know what I thought was cool is, you know, you know how I am. I'm so passionate about Walt Disney and his the history of Walt Disney. But I love seeing other people get excited about it. And I love that the last couple of days you've been sending me messages like, "Dude, did you know this? And did you know this?" I mean, it was just awesome to, you know, you and I are getting to kind of learn these things together and a lot of the stuff I didn't know. You know, when you really start diving into these people, you learn things that you never could have expected. Um, that, that, that would have happened in someone's life, whether it be, you know, fantastic adventures, fantastic uh, things they had, or tragedies, or sadness, or, you know, you run the gamut of everything that, that's happened to these people that culminated in creating a man that, that made a company that we love so much. And I think that we have chose, we have chosen eight, eight women this, this, uh, this season that have really played such a huge part in Disney and on Disney's life. And I don't, you know, we had to cut people. Remember, I mean, if I sent you the original, you know, the original list, sure. we had to cut people and that was a hard thing to do. But I think these eight, whenever we came down to it, I think we got eight that really ran the full spectrum of, you know, from, from, from early Walt to through, through Walt Disney now, um, that, that really influenced the company and influenced Walt and his family. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to get it going. Well, and going forward in the series, I really challenge you to, not you, Justin, but anybody that's listening, 
that if you if you go down the empathetic path and allow yourself to feel what these people were feeling or see what these people were seeing and make it a very personal journey, you will see that it is an incredible journey with all eight of these women. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. And tonight, tonight we we chose you know we chose for our first episode of this series. I think one of the most influential people, and I I would say this, I would bet. 98, 99% of Disney fans, people who love Disney, love the parks, probably have never heard this name before. And it is somebody who really made an impact on Walt's life and was in Walt's life longer than just about anybody outside of his immediate family. I mean, before before we had done the list and before we had talked about where we wanted to place people in the episodes, had you heard of this person before? No, I have not. And let me add, I have fallen in love with this woman by the time I got done reading about her. And I am disheartened that I didn't get a chance to meet her. You know, her story is one that could be written straight out of Hollywood. I mean, it, her, her, her life story is a, is a movie. And I think it's time that we should jump right into it. And tonight, we celebrate Thelma Pearl Howard. She was a woman of humble beginnings, surrounded by tragedy. She found happiness and brought joy to so many. We celebrate a woman who had the respect and admiration of one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. Living humbly her entire life, it was in death, she unexpectedly changed the world. And Jason, with that, let's get started talking about Thelma Howard. Fufu, as the Disney, uh, Disney family called her. Thelma Howard was born in Southwick, Idaho, and uh, she she was the second of five children, and th- she came from very very humble beginnings. You know, Thelma Thelma's uh, family didn't have much; they were farmers. They lived on a farm, and I think that's one reason Walt later, in, you know, once they met later in life, really, you know, took to her and and kind of saw himself in her is because Walt came from similar beginnings as well, growing up on a farm, and I think they had a lot in common. But um, you know, she she was never a lavish woman, and she didn't have a, a lavish dreams her entire life. But all she wanted to do was find happiness. And early in her life, happiness was the furthest thing that that she ever did find. I mean, she was completely surrounded by tragedy. Tragedy could almost be this woman's middle name as a child or this little girl's middle name up until uh, 18 and and on. Um, Her mother died at six. You know, when I was looking at this, uh, all these facts about her, um, you know, little biography snippets of her life. You know, I have a son that's six years old and the way he looks at his mom is the purest of love. He is absolutely in love with his mom. And when I read that, that this little girl lost her mom at six, you know, guys, that pulls really on the heartstrings for me personally. Okay. And by the time she was 18, she lost two other siblings besides her mom, and one of them was pretty horrific, and that was Lois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when around the same time as she lost her mom, that's that's the worst part. And like you're saying, I mean, I you know I have a daughter about the same age, and not only did she lose her mom, but Lois, uh, her and Thelma were actually cooking dinner, and at the time they had a wood burning stove, and Lois went to poke. Uh, the embers went to you know to to get to get the fire going in the stove, and one of the embers popped out and caught her dress on fire, and tragically, Lois burned to death. Uh, uh, you know, Thelma tried to rush to to get her father, 
but they were unable to save her. And and you know, uh, Thelma watched her 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 sister die at the age of eight uh, there out out in the front yard of their home. And it's just you know back to back tragedies: losing your mother, losing your your sister. And you know, I not only think about Thelma, but I think about Thelma's father as well. You know, already coming from humble beginnings, already already living a hard lifestyle, to lose your wife, then to lose a child, and to still have to raise these other children. Um, you know, that's it, it's it would be hard to be able to give as much of your parenting time to Thelma or to the other children that you would need to. So not only has Thelma had these tragedies, I doubt that she had the the upbringing that you know most children in a you know a happy happy childhood would have because he just wouldn't have the time he had to work the farm and things like that she she was completely surrounded by tragedy but it wasn't just then you know at 18 even, even with high school i mean jason she came from nothing and it embarrassed her i you know and that that fascinated me and i'm glad you said it like that because that's exactly the part in this story where i took pause and all she has ever known was nothing. And all she's ever known is poverty. But yet she was embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where she didn't ride a, want to ride a horse to school. And her brother, Jay Mill, would actually walk with her. And then she would get off the horse and then walk the rest of the way to school so no one could see her. And then he would take the horse back, who was named Blue. And by, by her doing this... I really took pause on, number one, what was her mindset? Because it was almost to the point where, um, I don't know if she, well, you know what, before I even say anything, what did you, what do you think about the psychology of her mindset with that? Do you think she was, she knew that she wanted to do better and be better and be greater? Or do you think she knew that um, uh, she just didn't want to be part of this lifestyle because she hated it so much? No, you know, I think, I think, all she wanted to do was find happiness. And I don't, you know, kids can be mean. I don't care what what generation or era you grow up in. Kids can be mean. And I think that, you know, she had, she had not, she had had these tragedies throughout her life. And going to high school riding a horse when no one else is doing it because the family doesn't have any other ways to get you to school is just another reason that she wouldn't have the opportunity to find happiness. I think she she just distanced herself from ever being ridiculed or ever being um, you know put down in that way. All right, listen, I want to just bring bring two points here and that is number 1, you would be the coolest kid in school if you rode a horse to town now to class. It would be you know? awesome, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and and especially to have a a a, a gray horse called Blue. I mean, you would be <laughs> the king of the high school. And number 2 is kudos to her for having the determination to still go to school, everything going against you, and you know, I, look, I, I'm I know a lot of a lot of girls, especially in that time frame, were in the same boat, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand that this was this was a very poor era in this country, and I get that, but you know, but it still took heart and determination to to drive yourself to still complete high school. Yeah, and like you said, you didn't need, you know, it wasn't that she just went because in that in that era, dropping out of high school was a commonality. You know, people dropped out all the time to pursue other things such as especially in rural America, you know, because families needed help on the farms. And so right. people dropped out of high school to help on the farm. But the fact that she had like you said the determination, she not only went to school, she finished high school. 
And by finishing high school, she gave herself the opportunity to graduate, and she actually moves away. She goes and she leaves uh, Idaho and heads to uh, go to business college in Spokane, Washington. And how cool is that? I mean, at that at that time, that has to be the highlight of her life up until that moment. She's she's leaving home. She's going to a new place. She is uh, meeting new people, having new experiences, being able to pursue a dream, the uh, of of finding you know other employment, higher employment than than her family had ever had, and uh, and then of course, tragedy strikes again. Uh, happily ever after does not happen then, and I hate to say it, but money ran out, and you know what, she had to drop out. Yeah, yeah, he's, you know, she and, and it happens, but you know, I got to, when I and I don't know about you, but when I was researching this, I got to the point to where she was such a I'm gonna call her a character because, like I said, her life story is straight out of Hollywood. It, it could be a movie, but I found myself cheering for her so hard because she's she's had all these things happen to her, and she's finally having this one good thing that's that's going on, and just to get knocked down again, I'm thinking. Come on, you know this. This enough's enough. Let let her have a break. Let her have a break, and her break comes when she uh, she picks up and, and moves again to uh, visit some family and uh, in Northern California, and goes to live with some relatives there and starts to uh, starts to kind of find herself as a person. I think I think that's where she really becomes who she is going to be later in life, and she doesn't spend a lot of time there. But uh, in 1931, she moves to L.A. And in L.A., she does uh, some office work, and she starts to do something that will change her life forever. She starts cleaning houses. There is some happiness that has to happen here in this this, this lady's life, and, and she does end up getting married. She has a brief, briefly, briefly, briefly very married, briefly, yeah, uh, has a son. His name is Michael, and Michael is a rebellious... God, you ever have those kids where you look at the mom and go, "God bless you." Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> God yeah. bless your heart. You are yeah. a saint. Um, he was one of those guys, and uh, he ended up in a McKinley School for Boys. It was a boarding school in Van Nuys, and him and his friend lied about their ages. At 16 years old, decided to join the Navy. You know what's amazing to me about this is this isn't unlike. Another person we talk about all the time, Walt exactly. Disney, who exactly. forged his, his his birth certificate to uh, to to go off to uh, to fight in the war or, or to to join the war efforts. He didn't fight in the war, but to join the war efforts, you know. And uh, and and the cool part with with Thelma is, you know, now she is has steady employment, working, but she finds herself going to an interview at a lavish L.A. home owned by Mr. Walt and Lillian Disney. And she finds herself becoming employed by the Disneys to uh, to be a housekeeper and a cook for Walt, Lily, and, and the girls. And uh, so in 1951, she joins the Disney family. But not only does she join the Disney family in just working for them, they invite her to move in. She is a live-in uh, housekeeper and, and cook for the Disney family. But she doesn't do it for just a little bit. She's there for 30 years. 30 years she spends side by side with one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. Well, and it's 30 years of quote after quote of how much 
they loved her. Yeah. She was, in all accounts, a Disney. Going back to Michael and in the Disney family, you know, there was a really great quote. And it was, Thelma was a very strict and very dedicated to the Disneys. She laid down the rules and made sure they followed them. In other words, Michael was a hellraiser, but he played no games at the Disney's residence, and he respected it. And he respected them. And I love that. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I think it was a mutual respect between Thelma and and Walt. And let's let's go to the you know the the first year she joins the Disney family because I think I think it's such a cool um, kind of parallel that that's the same year that Alice in Wonderland comes out and yeah. you know she goes from living in this tragic lifestyle this you know this this tragic way of life and surrounded by just a heartache and sadness to all of a sudden she's she is living in a Wonderland she is surrounded by happy people and really as uh, Diane Disney Miller said in an interview one time. Getting into the golden years of the Disney family. I mean, the Disney's, yeah. you're starting to get grandchildren coming in to visit Walt, but not only visit Walt, visit Thelma. And, uh, and there's a lot of stories that came out of the Disney household that involved Thelma. One of my favorite stories is just about how much Thelma had uh, in common with Walt. They were both, both came from a farm, both came from, uh, uh, you know, early impoverished beginnings, both smoked. Both kind of had mouths on them. I mean, they both they, yeah, they yeah, were they much. were quick witted and they they could they could throw a jab verbally, you know, pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, but the pro, the thing with Walt was he would those jabs and most people, you know, they were they were uh, they were he was an imposing figure in their life, so he they wouldn't jab back. Felt not Thelma. He would come in throw a jab at them. Well, Thelma would throw one right back at him verbally, and you know they kind of, and I think Walt really appreciated that about her, and uh, and Walt always. Uh, had confidence in talking with her and talking, you know, in her opinion too about what was going on with the Disney company, with the Disney family, and uh, and just just some fantastic, fantastic stories that involved Thelma and and the Disney uh, the Disney Disney family. Diane Disney Miller said a couple really profound things here, and I'm going to quote this: the housekeeper before Thelma banished my sister and me from the kitchen. But when Thelma came, we spent all of our time there. She could put on a full dinner with a roast and a fresh pie and have kids drawing pictures at the kitchen table. She made the place warm, and she made it work. And that was the daughter of, Disney, of, of Walt Disney that said that. And the thing is, is she was such a confidant and friend to the Disney children and grand and grandchildren and grandchildren, yeah. You know, and it was um, Miller says it was a gift. You know, that's how the Disney children viewed Thelma. She was a gift. You know, Jason. Yeah, you know, we've talked about Thelma a lot this week, going back and forth. You know, little five minute five minute bits here and there. But right now, is the, hearing you talk about you know hearing Diane Disney's words from you. Uh, makes me think about um, a, a tragic event in Walt's life. You know, the loss of his mother. Uh, there, there. You know, and and the fact that the girls didn't have that grandmother in their life to kind of take that, to put a dinner on the table, to have that strict thumb to make sure they're doing what they do, but to doing it in a loving way. And I, you know, I maybe Thelma kind of filled that void for both for for Walt and for the Disney girls of that. 
mother grandmother type of personality in the home i really think that we need to coin thelma howard as the disney grandmother oh i I agree i really think she deserves that in fact if i'm not mistaken she was coined something else walt actually called her the real life mary poppins um but it was funny because people, you know, they would say, "But without the spoonful of sugar," because right. she <laughs> she was a little yeah. more brash, a little more abrasive in the way she would handle things. But uh, but yeah, I mean, she she turned an already established, fun, a, a magical place to live, even to an even more magical place with the way she handled the Disney children and the Disney grandchildren, and she uh, she was really an amazing influence. Not only over Walt, but over over all the Disney family. The entire uh, the entire thirty years she was there. You, you know, you say that spoon without the spoonful of sugar. I mean, she was a smoker. She was a gin drinker. You know, she was a card yeah. player. Yeah. Um, but she was a good looking uh, woman on top of it. You know, who who carried herself very well when she needed to. But yet she had that spine to stand up for what she believed in. And how fortunate for the Disney family that, you know, that she was all love, you know, even including the dog loved her. The dog may have loved her more than anybody because one thing that Thelma made sure was always in the house more than love was hot dogs. Thelma would go to the store and she would stock mounds of hot dogs in the, uh, the, the fridge there at the Disney home because Walt, every day when he would come in, would come in through the door into the kitchen from work. And he would open the, the the fridge and he would grab three hot dogs, you know, two for two for him and and one for the dog, who was a actually named Lady, and uh, and they would sit down and and Lady would have a hot dog and uh, and Walt would have his two hot dogs and and they would enjoy some time together. So Lady really enjoyed Thelma and Thelma made sure everyone's little needs. You know, that's a little need. That's not something that. Most people will go out of the way to do. I think, I think that's another thing. I think her attention to detail, Walt appreciated. Because if there's one thing Walt Disney always did was he always paid close attention to detail everywhere he went in everything he did. Whether it be Disney parks or whether it be the, um, the, the animated movies and just the Disney company in general. So I think the two had so much in common and they had such a general appreciation for each other. And like you said, they had a love it was a house full of love, and she wasn't a worker. She wasn't someone who was paid, uh, you know, just just to work. She was loved, but she also wasn't just paid in money. She was given Christmas bonuses in something completely different. She was actually given stock in the company. Now, reading this, now I know this stock really wasn't worth much as a, a back in the day, right? as a Christmas bonus. And there was even mention of, you know, most employees just wanted the cash bonus. But, you know, this lady, she even purchased more and and put them away, and she never touched them. Up until her death, she never touched them. You know, Walt, Walt used to tell her every Christmas. He'd hand her stock and he'd say, now hang on to this, don't get rid of this, you know. And she trusted him enough that not only did she hang on to it, like you said, she bought more. And the amazing thing was, you know, because Thelma came from such a humble beginning, she didn't understand stocks. She didn't understand the premise of it, so it just went into a drawer. When she passed, Thelma, Thelma passed in 1994, just before her 80th birthday. And when her estate 
was uh, looked at, it was found out that she was worth about $9.5 million because of the Disney stocks that she had held on to. Now, let's talk about this, though. Thelma, even after Walt's death and even after she stopped working uh, for, the, for the Disneys, she didn't, she didn't live lavishly. She actually lived and retired in 1981 to a modest two-bedroom bungalow in West LA. Two bedrooms. That's all she had. And, uh, and her health, you know, was already failing. Uh, she was having problems with her heart and her lungs. And, and just everything was kind of going, you know. And, and she, she still did not know what she was worth. At no point did Thelma know how much money she was worth. She lived humbly her entire life. But it's because of her living humbly that she was able to change the world. Before we talk about the the charitable organization, I do want to mention that half of her inheritance did go to her son, Michael. He's in a home for the developmentally challenged. And to be honest with you, there's not much more on that. So I don't know if he even gets to spend it, if he touches it, if he's coherent enough to use it, if he's, if the state's taking it. I don't know. There's not much on that. However, we do know the other half went to an organization. Yeah, the Thelma Pearl Howard Foundation was created um, Thelma actually in her will wanted this, you know, wanted uh, um, money given to a charity. You know, she she didn't, in her mind, have this much to give, but uh, but the foundation was created and uh, yeah, uh, almost $5 million was, was given this foundation and it was given to uh, to take care of disadvantaged and homeless children. And I think, uh, I think a great quote to summarize, you know, Thelma came from Cheryl Wallace. It was, it was her niece. And Cheryl said, there have been so much pain and tragedy in my aunt's life. I think she felt she missed being young. She wanted to give something back to the children. And if that doesn't tell you who this woman was, nothing will. She was an amazing person. I, I would have given anything just to spend five minutes. Can you imagine the story she has? The mm-hmm. story she has about her life and about Walt Disney and the family's life. I mean, to be a fly on the wall for those 30 years inside the Disney home as as magic was made. I mean, as the world was changed. And right. I, I just think that she was such an inspiration to so many. And we have been very, very lucky to be able to spend time getting to know her a little bit. And, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Thelma Howard, you were not only a blessing to the Disney's family, you were an asset to the Disney Corporation because you were the glue that held that family's solid love foundation at home so Walt could explore outside of outside of the home and know that his home front was taken care of. Um, to me, without her, Disney Corporation would not be where it was at today. She was that much of an asset to it. Her favorite color was pink, and she was laid to rest overlooking the Disney Studios. Everything about your life, from tragedy to to magic, is equally important because it made you who you are. And today we celebrate you and your contribution to the Disney Corporation and the Walt Disney family. Yeah, we're we're very very excited to to talk about Thelma. I I learned so much about this woman, and she was such a motivational. Uh, force on people if they'll spend some time to get to know her and empathize with her life and not only that but but to really take the positivity in her life too and see what she did with it and to build on it 
and uh, even in death, you know, pass that positivity onto others who are feeling tragedy in their own lives. It's people like Thelma that influence the others that we want to celebrate with this show. And Thelma Howard, we are happy to say that you are one of the Disney eight. With the show, we don't want to just look at people of the past. We want to recognize people of the current heading into the future of the Disney Corporation. There are so many influential women today that are working at Disney. And today we celebrate one of them. Today we celebrate Sue Bryant. Sue is an executive creative director. And uh, if you love Disney attractions then you should be thanking Sue. Uh, she, she specializes in all the interactive experiences that you, uh, that you see, like all the cutting-edge technologies and things like that. And um, she really helps to bring some of the biggest ideas to, to the forefront you know, in the Disney parks. I mean, she's done things. When she started, she started doing uh, work on Disney Quest. You know, we, we all loved Disney Quest while it was there, and uh, of course it's gone now. But this will tell you how long she's been influential in the Disney company. And, uh, and she also did was in charge of, uh, of doing some of the final production of one of the attractions that absolutely ter- terrorizes me and terrifies me, uh, Mission Space. Okay. So she, she, is, uh, she took care of that. And another thing that she is heavily involved with now and was heavily involved with at the time was Toy Story Midway Mania, bringing that to fruition so you and your families can enjoy, you know, competing against each other on the, uh, on, on the, on the Disney, on the Disney attraction there. And, um, she, she has been a influential person for over a decade now with, with, with Disney and Sue, we celebrate you and Thelma, we celebrate you and you both are part of the Disney eight this week. Thank you, Sue. And with that, this has been the first episode of Disney. And Jason, look, I got to thank you, man. Uh, when we had this idea, you know, you and I are those people to where we throw crazy ideas at each other constantly. You know, we're we're always right. going back and forth. And I think I think you know I can I can put something off you and you put it off me, and it just seems to evolve. And I have to thank you because I do come up with some of these crazy ideas, but then you polish them and you make them so good. And I just I really have enjoyed this time with you to get to know some of these women. And I'm excited, man. We got seven more weeks of this, seven more weeks of this, uh, of going through these influential women of Disney. And so I just want to thank you, buddy. And I had an absolute blast. And uh, why don't you do this real fast for anyone who hasn't listened to any other Disney dad show, let them know real quick where they can find all of our Disney dad shows. www.disneydadspodcast.com. There you can find all our shows. You can, Find links to contact us as a show. You can contact us individually. Our good friend Mike, who's not here tonight, he, he is he is the driving force behind the Disney Dads podcast yes, over he there. Is. He he cracks the whip on us. He is an incredible friend. You can contact him also. Uh, you can even call us guys, and or send us a text. Either way, come over to the website, check us out, and also. If you like what you hear, guys, go over to iTunes right now. Slap us five stars. Tell us how much you loved it. And, Justin, you gave me way too much credit, my friends. You are an intelligent man, a friend that 
I am proud to know and to sit down across from you. I was very humbled what you had to say, even though they were all lies. And I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you, buddy. And we'll be seeing each other, uh, see each other very soon. And seven more days, we'll have another episode of the Disney 8. Good night.